Next on BYU Sports Nation, distraction, motivation, a new coach, and a four-game bowl win streak. BYU and Washington in a sneakily good bowl game bash. We'll go live with the play-by-play voice of the Huskies, Bob Rondo. Plus, yes, they're 0-3 against the top 25, but the computer rankings still love BYU basketball. How the Cougs can take it even higher. BYU TV College Hoops expert Blaine Fowler sounds off. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. It is currently zero degrees in Provo, Utah. And a glorious Tuesday to talk BYU sports. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan, a.k.a. Tate McClanahan. Wherever and however you may be listening, thanks for making us at BYU Sports Nation part of your day. How about our show starter from the NBA, Jimmer Fredette? Okay, it's not new news that the Kings didn't pick up his contract option. But what does that mean for the BYU all-time great? The point guard now is perhaps trade bait again. Many people thought he would go in this crazy deal with the Raptors and the Kings, but he remains in Sacramento. And now, according to James Ham of Cowboy Kingdom in Sacramento. Uh, Jimmer Ham. Jimmer Ham. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. A notable blog there in Sacktown. He has a backup point guard opportunity. And... Maybe this is a, a showcase. A, exactly. A showcase setting for him to prove what he can do so the Kings can get more value out of him. You know who I think would be a great fit for Jimmer? The Phoenix Suns. Or the Lakers. The Lakers are super low on guards. The Lakers. They always want a good shooter. Why not? Phoenix who or the Lakers. Who doesn't want a good shooter? Can that guy defend? Who would have thought, Spencer, that Brandon Davies would get more run in the NBA this year than Jimmer? I did not see that coming. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon got some mid for the 76ers. Great for Brandon. He's getting some time on a terrible team, but who cares? He's in the league. He's getting dough playing basketball. Listen to these lines from both of those players last night. Davies goes five points, three rebounds in 13 minutes last night. Jimmer has two points. Two rebounds in nine minutes. I did see a gif where Brandon Davies missed an alley-oop dunk, unfortunately. He also had a shot goaltended like 20 rows into the seats by Blake Griffin, apparently. It was called goaltended. Hey, I'll take it, baby. You know who's blocked Blake Griffin before? Noah Hartsock. They played against each other in high school, and Noah Hartsock blocked Blake Griffin. That's one of those things where you're obviously inferior because they're like, hey, remember this one time in high school, this one guy did this one thing? Yeah, yeah. that happened. Noah Hartsock blocked Blake Griffin. That, that <laughs> is something I never, ever, ever, ever envisioned. But it, it actually happened. Blake Griffin was actually trying to throw a piece of paper in the trash, and Noah swatted it. Do we, have, That's vid- what really do we happened. have video evidence of this? No. Wow. We hey. have it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> Blake Griffin. No, just kidding. No hard time. <laughs> Blake Griffin would never admit that. Join the conversation, as always, by tweeting at BYU Sports Nation. Absolutely. And today's poll question is this. Which BYU team deserves the most attention right now? Football, preparing for Washington in the bowlgame. Men's hoops. Undefeated women's hoops at 8-0. Or the women's volleyball team, who's in the Sweet 16 against USC on Friday night. Weigh in on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation or weigh, weigh in on BYUTVSports.com. If you're new to the show, 
include where you are tweeting from. We want to know who's chiming in and where you're chiming in where from you across BYU Sports Nation. And if you're not new to the show and you just feel like doing it, that's cool too. We love it. Friendly reminder, you can always listen to BYU Sports Nation every weekday, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on Sirius XM Channel 143, BYU the BYU Radio iOS app, and Dish Network Channel 980, our show on demand every day on the newly launched BYURadio.org, or you can catch the rebroadcast each day, 7 p.m. Eastern. Again, it's all on BYU Radio. Rise and shout, my friends. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Squirrel. <laughs> okay. Have you seen the movie Up, Jerem? Kevin is a girl. <laughs> Such a great movie. Uh, the reason we play that squirrel, Sam, do it again, Aaron. Squirrel. Thank you. Uh, if you're familiar with the movie, there is a point where the dog that is featured in Up becomes easily distracted by a squirrel. Now, the spinoff of this is the University of Washington's football team is dealing with all sorts of behind-the-scenes stuff right now. they got a brand-new coach, Chris Peterson. Their old coach, Steve Sarkeesian, goes to USC. Uh, there are some players that are not happy about that, that are calling him as fake uh, as a $3 bill. Uh, but he's going to be coaching the Trojans. Here comes Chris Peterson from Boise State. He will not coach the bowl game. Marcus Tuiasasopo will coach the bowl game. And we got some incredible insight yesterday from Washington sideline reporter Elise Woodward. We're asking about, hey, what, what are the Huskies? What does Husky Nation and Washington think about playing BYU in the bowl game? She's like, uh, basically, we're, we're playing BYU. Uh, it's almost like it was new news because they've been so focused on everything happening around the program and not on the fact there's a bowl game. Listen to this. There are so many unanswered questions right now just about who's going to be coaching that I don't even know if people have started even going down the preview sheet of, hey, BYU's 8-4, and four, and this is the, the matchup, and that's probably down the line, to be honest. Right now it's like the bare essentials of who's even going to be out there trying to prepare this team. Washington sideline reporter Elise Woodward joining BYU Sports Nation live yesterday. She hosts uh, a show on 950 KJR up there in the Seattle area. And I, I, I guess I was a little shocked. You know, I know that there is some distraction going on, but uh, when she painted that picture, I thought, well, may, maybe this is an advantage for BYU. Well, give it a few days because who knows if they're even practicing. BYU doesn't practice for another, what, nine days or something? So, uh, there's some excitement associated with that, kind of the reboot of a program. Disappointment that your head coach goes to USC, Steve Sarkisian, which would have been a fun matchup for BYU. That would have been the first time that a former BYU Cougar was a head coach, uh, besides Kyle Whittingham, I believe, against BYU. No, in a bowl game, that would have been the first time ever. So, y- unique status. You know what? I, th- I think she believed that he doesn't have to coach in that game, quite honestly. Why? Because of the hoopla that would go around in the media fact that he was a former BYU There's quarterback. There's way more hoopla associated with being the new USC coach. You're the NFL team in there. Still, I think... Put up with a few I, questions about BYU? I know, uh, watching Steve Sarkeesian in the Quarterback Factory show over Media Day, he is appreciative of what happened at BYU, but he is... he is, and I feel like he has disconnected himself and now he is he's doing his own thing. Oh, for sure. It was only two years of his life. You know what I mean? He's more of a USC guy than he is a BYU guy. 
He coached there longer. So I don't know how much he would enjoy More of a Washington all of those guy than a BYU guy. questions about BYU and when he played. I know he appreciates what happened here, but I feel like it's kind of like an old hat for him. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, I played there. It's great. This, is, this has nothing to do with that. You'd put up with similar stuff throughout the season. Hey, when are you going to beat Oregon? Hey, when are you going to do this? Whatever. For those wondering, Marcus Tuiasasopo, former quarterback, Rose Bowl MVP, uh, at Washington. He's the interim coach for the game. Chris Peterson will not coach Washington for the game, nor will Steve Sarkeesian coach USC. The The new guy never coaches that team. He just kind of comes in and watches. So it's a sort of a dysfunctional Washington team that's going to play BYU. Chris Peterson, meanwhile, had a press conference yesterday and has taken over. He's going to view what happens in the bowl game. They're going to get all these extra practices. And then in January, it's uh, it's time for the reign of Chris Peterson at Washington, which to me is sort of a scary thing. He's a really good coach. Speaking of that press conference, uh, here are some of the comments that Chris Peterson offered yesterday about getting ready for a bowl game in this situation. I certainly will be around for some of the practices. I don't want to be that that dark shadow looming over them. These guys have done a great job this season, and I understand as well as anyone how tough it is on these kids what they've been through the last week and a half to lose their coach. That is not easy. That's not fun for anybody. And so I want to be around here for help and support, but this is their team. They need to finish this season off right and, you know, anything I can help with. But I'm not here to coach this game. Chris Peterson, during his introductory press conference at the University of Washington, he is the new head coach of the Huskies. And... Like Gary Anderson did last year with Wisconsin, and, and I talked to him, you mentioned Jerem yesterday, I, I talked to Gary at the Rose Bowl uh, when he was transitioning in, and he, he kind of was going to do the thing that Chris Peterson did, just be on the sidelines, be there to support, and just kind of look on before he really starts to dig in and, and take over that program. So, Although it would be funny if all of a sudden he sort of wandered into the box and said, hey, how about this play? <laughs> he grabs a headset. Hey, would, let's do this. I would never They're happen. down seven with eight minutes to go in the Chris fourth. Chris Peterson is, is <laughs> a super, super classy guy. And like you said, great football coach, which makes Washington uh, almost an immediate force to be reckoned with. I feel like Chris Peterson allows that team to finish in the top five of the Pac-12 each year. Which is saying a lot. That, yes. that means you're ranked to loaded, loaded conference. It's so good. It it's stat- in terms of you know top twenty five teams it can compete with the SEC in that way but the strength at the top unfortunately you had Oregon and Stanford both had at least two losses each so. guy wins games he comes from Boise State the winning program he has a name Sarkeesian recruited pretty well for the four or five years that he was there Chris Peterson will only help that recruiting situation. It isn't will it, only get better. Isn't it funny that the year that he loses by 32 to Washington and has his worst record, he gets hired. That's the year he takes. Chris Peterson could lose to BYU twice in the same year at different schools. When has that happened? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sort of. One and, and a half. And what is, what is the mentality of the Washington team? Are they motivated? Are they extra motivated because they these players are trying to prove a point to the new coach that they deserve time? Are they more distracted with everything that's going on? 
Are they Squirrel. excited to be <laughs> exactly <laughs> excited to be playing in this game in San Francisco, or is this a letdown after finishing eight and four? We're going to ask all of those questions to the play-by-play voice of the Washington Huskies coming up in about twenty minutes. Bob Rondo will join BYU Sports Nation live, and we're going to uh, ask him a lot of the same questions we asked Elise Woodward, who is the sideline reporter. But Bob, now having watched Chris Peterson go through his press conference, and and that happened after we talked to Elise. He's going to give us some insight into what Washington thinks about their program moving forward and what they think about BYU in the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl. Topic two. Highly ranked in the RPI. Finding the things that I'm better at than them. Um, sometimes I'm quicker than them, so I need to use that instead of trying to maybe pound it down low because I'm, gonna, I'm not going not gonna to move around if they weigh 310 pounds. The freshman phenom Eric Mika last night on BYU TV's True Blue talking about how he handles playing against bigger guys. And Eric Mika has certainly been a huge factor in putting BYU on the map. He's one of the top 10 freshmen in the country, according to ESPN.com, number eight, I believe, on that list. And uh, is making a name for himself very early. Now, we mentioned the RPI. BYU is not ranked in the top 25, but in the RPI... They are a top 15 team. They are number 12, according to yahoosports.com right now. Should we explain RPI for those who don't know? Absolutely. So rating percentage index. So 50% of the... There are many formulas, the most basic of which with this is 50% of that is your record, then another 25% of that is your opponent's record, and then the other 25% is your opponent's opponent's record. So basically, how good are you, how good are your opponents, and then how good are the opponents that your opponents play? Is that confusing? Yes. But... This is a major stat that the selection committee uses to get teams into the NCAA tournament as at-large and seed them. So the fact that BYU's number 12 with three losses is significant because they're the only team in the top 40 with three losses. That's, it's crazy. UMass is the number one team with RPI. That doesn't mean that they are the best team it's just a combination of those things. BYU's strength of schedule, by the way, this is according to Yahoo Sports. We're going there are many RPIs, but we're going off that. Uh, strength of schedule is three for BYU. So look, look at who they've played. They're though. playing a good schedule. They need to win some of these games. Now, when the selection committee takes into account what's going on, they don't count rankings as much as they do RPI. BYU is one and three against top fifty RPI teams. What about fifty-one to one hundred? Two and zero. Oh. There you go. So they're 3-3 three and three versus the top 100. What is Utah, you ask? They're, they're not in the top 100, I'll tell you that. They're not even on this list. Utah State's 58. What is Prairie View A&M? Uh, yeah. Nice try. <laughs> what is Are Oregon? top 300? Oregon's 15th. What is Gonzaga? 20th. Opportunities you, out you see there. See what I mean? There's some, yeah. St. Mary's, 9. So BYU has a bunch of good games. You, you have. I just listed five more games that BYU is going to play against top 15 RPI teams. We've used the word opportunity a lot over the past few weeks. Yeah, let's stop. Let's use the word victory. It, I want. I want to say victory. It'd be nice day. to cash. Win. It'd be nice to cash in some of those opportunities and, and make them positive results. So let's uh, win some. Win some. Yeah, win some games. But credit Dave Rose and his program for going out and putting together this schedule. Because even if you lose in basketball, you don't want to coin any loss a good loss. 
but certainly in college basketball, that applies when you think about the RPI and what the selection committee will be looking at. If they look at BYU and say they're three and three versus the top one hundred, and they have an RPI of twelve, oh, three and three is great. I mean, that's that's, that's solid good. resume. That, it's sorry, I thought you meant top fifty, but yeah, you need some top fifty wins. That's important. It's better than playing teams like Evergreen State, UC Davis, Grand Canyon, Lamar, Savannah State. Idaho State, Texas State, St. Catherine. You can probably guess who I'm pointing at, pointing a finger at. BYU's conference, not as good as the Pac-12, of course. But to play a schedule like this, the opposite of that is Utah's schedule. I would rather challenge myself and lose than play cupcakes and win. Because as we learned with Ohio State, if you tasted, if you right now, Spencer Linton, ate 24 cupcakes in a row, you would forget what steak tasted like. <laughs> and the steak was Michigan State. <laughs> I like that analogy. But Someone I, on Twitter tweeted that. It was uh, tremendous. Okay. I 24 cupcakes. Okay. All right. Eric, let's go back to Eric Mika. Last night on True Blue. Did he, I just squirrel that? Squirrel! Squirrel! Yes, you did. <laughs> I was ran distract. Focus, Jerem. Focus. Eric Mika has been fantastic, and I'm just getting word that uh, he got another top 10 freshman ranking. This one from CBSSports.com. So through, let's see, are they 10 games into the season? Eric Mika is having a great, great, and I use the word great, Jerem, very uh, pointedly. Uh, I will not debate semantics with you this day. Opening 10 games. He has been solid. Dave Rose said, we expect a lot out of of this guy. Well, you're getting a lot out of Eric Meek, and that's been refreshing. Yeah, BYU needs it. He's BYU has leaned heavily on him because you have Nate Austin, and then Luke Worthington is not a scorer off the bench, and so you need Mika to score in the post for this team to get to the NCAA tournament and win. They need Mika to do that, and if they want the RPI ranking to climb higher, they need to beat teams like Oregon, which they can do on December 21st, a game you will be at in Eugene, watching from the sidelines, Jeremy. You know it. Topic three. Winning women. Godfrey back set to gray. That's your winner. Our poll question today is which BYU team deserves the most attention? And right now, a couple of women's teams flying under the radar in terms of national headlines and even in BYU Sports Nation, but deserve some respect. The BYU women's volleyball team lost their All-American Jennifer Hampson. A first-team All-American. Not an honorable mention. A first-team All-American. One of the top volleyball players in the entire country decides to redshirt this year so she can focus on basketball. So head coach Sean Olmstead is now thinking, all right, well, how are we going to fill that gap? Well, he's filled that gap, and then some. BYU back in the Sweet 16 for consecutive seasons. They will take on number 6 USC in the Galen Center on Friday and they have an opportunity to go to the Elite Eight without Jen Hampson. They got to the Sweet 16 with her last year. Now they have a chance to one-up that if they can knock off USC. They just came off a sweep of number 11 Hawaii on the islands, and they're rolling right now. Incredible what they're doing, but it doesn't seem like a lot of people are talking about that team right now because BYU football and basketball draw all the headlines. Look, we get it. Those are, those are huge sports, huge headlines, bowl games, big money, RPI rankings, uh, ESPN, National Spotlight, all the time. Give some love to the BYU women's volleyball team. And oh, by the way, Sean Olmstead joined us live on Friday. That BYU Sports Nation karma lives on 
as it's they find success. It is not a coincidence. That they're in the Sweet 16 now. They're winning the poll right now on BeautyTVSports.com. 59% say women's volleyball. That is amazing. You're right. Imagine, let's say Tyler Haas. Uh, it's more like Jimmer Fredette almost. Yeah. Jimmer decides to like, like redshirt a season so he can focus on say, baseball. Let's say the next year. <laughs> <laughs> he, by the way, as a twelve-year-old, he hit a he hit like a three hundred foot homer. Awesome! He was a good yeah. football player too. He was all state as a junior, but uh, it always revolves around Jimmer, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, volleyball. What a what a season! Imagine the year after Jimmer BYU going to the Sweet Sixteen that year. That's that's amazing. The other team we want to talk about is women's basketball. Eight and zero. Undefeated, snapped Creighton's 15-game home win streak last Saturday. They play Weber State tonight on BYU Radio, 9 Eastern. So they continue to uh, play well. Jen Hampson is on that team. That's why she's red training with volleyball and uh, doing a nice job. She had a double-double, including five blocks on Saturday. So women's hoops bringing it as well. She's 6'7". And awesome. I believe that's the tallest in NCAA women's college basketball. Brittany Griner of Baylor you may be familiar with. She and Jennifer Hampson were the two tallest in college basketball last year. Great chance for BYU women's basketball to finish their non-conference schedule undefeated for the first time in school history. They play three mediocre teams, Weber State, Utah, and Utah State. If they finish 11-0 and heading into West Coast Conference play, that would be something that they have never accomplished. Credit to Coach Judkins getting it done with uh, Jen Hampson and uh, taking advantage of the fact that she is redshirting volleyball and now focusing on basketball. And Lexi Eaton has come along after an ACL injury. That team deserves some respect. So props to winning winning women. The volleyball team, good luck in the Sweet 16. And the women's basketball team trying to keep it rolling against Weber State tonight. Coming up on BYU Sports Nation, we go in-depth with BYU TV sports analyst Blaine Fowler. We'll talk Cougar hoops. And the bowl game, what does he think about the matchup between BYU and Washington and why BYU football needs the win? This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out live in Studio 2 from the BYU Broadcast Building. It's zero degrees outside. Doing our best to warm you up with BYU Sports Nation. Like how I did that? Oh, yeah. I'm a little distracted. By what? I don't know. Squirrel! <laughs> Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Tonight on BYU Radio, the undefeated women's basketball team plays Weber State up in Ogden at 9 Eastern. Listen live right here on BYU Radio with Ty Brandenburg on the call. Cougars trying to go 9-0. and oh. Which BYU team, by the way, deserves the most attention right now? We ask that on Twitter today. We give you four options. BYU football preparing for the bowl game. BYU basketball as they continue a brutal non-conference schedule, getting ready for West Coast Conference play. Volleyball in the Sweet 16 for a second consecutive season despite missing All-American Jen Hampson. Or BYU women's basketball we just talked about. Undefeated 8-0 after snapping Creighton's 15-game home win streak in Omaha, Nebraska. We go to Facebook. Russell Alley, he says, Well, the b-ball team is fun and exciting to watch, but has big lapses on D and can't win big games. The football team is Jekyll and Hyde. Never know which is going to show up. And since the b-ball team has uh, has hated you, I'm not sure what he's going right, right there, but... Uh, um, did he answer the question? Since the b-ball team has the hated Utes oh, on the Saturday. Oh, the hated Utes, Okay. 
And then another top team in Oregon, they deserve the focus for now. Okay, so he's going with basketball team. It's been an awesome schedule. Blaine Fowler joining BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, welcome back to the show. We're going to ask you that question. I gave you a little bit of background about all four of those teams. Which Cougar team deserves the most attention right now? Well, here's here's the, I have to ask you for a clarification, and I'm allowed to do that. You can do that. Um, I'll allow it. Are we talking about Are we talking about right this minute who's performing the best, or over the course of this season who is going to generate the most national right now? Uh, right now, the women's basketball team is amazing. <laughs> Eight no, trying to go nine no against Weber State. So some love yeah. for the women's basketball but, team. But before but before it's all said and done, I think our men's basketball team is going to make a lot of noise on the national scene. I, you, know, you think about the losses that they've had. They're all against ranked teams. Um, BYU is very young. I think they're learning from each of these of each of these games. They're never going to play a point guard like they just played in the, in the UMass game. And, and a team's not going to shoot like that ever again, where they were just pulling shots out of nowhere and they were going in. And so I think that this BYU team's just going to keep getting better. And before it's all said and done, they're going to have a very glossy record and be in the NCAA tournament. And we'll talk a lot about that. But right now, the women's basketball team's making all the noise. Blaine Fowler joining BYU Sports Nation, college hoops expert, college football expert. Blaine, will stick with the basketball. We just mentioned BYU has an RPI of 12 in men's basketball, according to Yahoo Sports, the third toughest schedule in the country right now. They're 0-3 against the top 25. What is the missing ingredient? What's going to allow BYU to get that big win over a ranked opponent in the future? They're, they're going to get better defensively. And if you think about it, you have some young guys getting a lot of minutes. And, and so, in particular, you got Mika in there, who, who's who's not getting enough minutes because he's he should be playing 30 plus minutes a game, but because he's been in foul trouble, he hasn't been able to be out there on the floor. He's a difference maker for them. He changes everything because he's an offensive force. He runs the floor. He can defend. He can be imposing in the middle. But when he's sitting on the bench, he's not imposing in any way, shape, or form. He's a freshman. We forget that he's an unbelievably skilled freshman that's just going to continue to get better. And what do we know about freshmen? They always come in, and they're great, and they're wonderfully skilled offensively. Um, they're maybe really, really athletic, but there's a learning curve on playing defense and playing defense without fouling. So he's just going to continue to get better. You know, Frank Bartley is learning. He's a freshman. He's unbelievably talented. He's one of the most athletic guards BYU's had in a long time. He's learning how to defend. And then even Collinsworth who you would think, well, he's a return missionary, he's a sophomore. You know, he's, he's getting better as time progresses. We've got to remember that he's just off of a mission this past year. So those components and, and the youth that's playing, you know, Skylar Halford's just making the jump from J.C. Uh, to Division One. We just saw his three-point shot starting to fall two games ago. All of these components are going to get better with game time. And they have played such an imposing preseason schedule, which I love, is going to prepare them for West Coast Conference play and the tournament that will come after that. This is all going to pay off. These losses are going to pay off. Now, you would rather win and learn, which they did against Texas, but, but if you have to, to have a learning, it's good to have it in the preseason against a highly ranked opponent so your RPI stays strong, and, and then you go from there. That's what I think is going to happen with this basketball team. I think they're just going to get better, and the one area that's going to be night and day is they're going to get better defensively as the season progresses. Blaine Fowler's on BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, you've uh, talked a lot a bit about the potential of this team, and I agree with you. It's very talented. What's the 
what's the realistic expectation given the half the team turnover and reliance on youth? I, I think that they will be right there competing with Gonzaga for the West Coast Conference Championship. I mean, I look, I think St. Mary's is, is good again this year, but they're not as good as they were last year, and BYU's better. Uh, you know, there are teams that have raised their level. USD is going to be decent this year. Pacific is going to be a challenge. I just think BYU athletically is, is good enough and that the preseason prepared them enough that when it all comes down to it, it it's going to be Gonzaga and BYU at the top of the, of the conference, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they split. If BYU loses to Gonzaga on the road and if they beat him in the Marriott Center, it could come down to that. And so as long as they don't have a lapse, where they just are terrible shooting the basketball or something in a game that they shouldn't lose. You know, I, I don't know that they, that they lose a game in conference other than the Gonzaga game on the road. Blaine Fowler joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Blaine, Jerem and I have discussed uh, the three top 25 teams that BYU has fa- uh, matched up against this year, Iowa State, Wichita State, and UMass. Of those three teams, which do you feel like was the most talented or top team that BYU has faced thus far? Well, I- Iowa State has a great combination of, of, of good guard play and great play down low and size and all of that. But UMass shot the ball so well. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think UMass can shoot the ball like that every week. And so who was the best team they played? Well, UMass was the best team because they were just unstoppable. You know, Chaz Williams, I mean, have you seen guard play like that by anybody no. in the country this year? 32-15, and 15, forget about it. He was out of his mind, and he was making them – how many little floaters in the key did we see not just Williams make, but that team make? And, and he is a guy that can get anywhere he wants on the floor. He can break a defense down. He had great vision, hitting wide-open guys, and they were knocking down shots. And so, so that was a special, special game for them. I don't necessarily think that they're better than Iowa State or Wichita State. I think they're all similar in terms of – I think they're all probably uh, somewhere 12 to 18 if you look at how they would rank in the nation before it's all said and done. But I think on that night – UMass was the best team uh, that BYU played because offensively they were just unstoppable. And they would, the way they were shooting it, they would have been unstoppable for anybody that night. Blaine Fowler's on BYU Sports Nation. Blaine uh, will be doing uh, some analysis Wednesday night, tomorrow night on the call for BYU and Prairie View A&M. Then BYU plays at Utah. Now Utah has struggled the last couple of years but is improving. They're not playing anybody, so we don't know exactly how good – uh, Utah is. What do you think of the Utes this year? Well, that's that's exactly. <laughs> I don't know what to think of them. They, they've played. You know, we talk about BYU's RPI and their strength of schedule um, this year, and and the reason you don't know what to make of Utah is they've played one of the weakest schedules in the country uh, to this to this point in the year, and and you know by design they needed to do that. Uh, Chris Koviak knew that he had, he's building a program. They can't afford to play a beefy preseason schedule. And so, so that's what they did. They, they did it by design. And the, 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 the two games that they have that are, are decent was they play Boise State and they lose. They play them tough on the road. Boise State's supposed to be good, and they lose by two. And then they go on and, the, and then they play Fresno State at home, and they beat them 90-77. to 77. So – so this is a team, but then, then, then here's the, the rest, Evergreen State, UC Davis, Grand Canyon, Lamar, Savannah State, Ball State. I mean, it's, it's a lineup of teams that they're supposed to win, and they're supposed to beat handily. This is a Pac-12 team. So I, I think the book is still out um, on, you know, on this Utah team. It, 
it's hard to know whether they're good or not. I really, I really can't put my finger on it. They've got size. You know, this is a team that's got multiple guys, 6'10", 6'11", 7-footers. You know, they're, they're, they're shooting the ball you know, fairly well so far, but against what, what defenses. So it's, it's hard for me to put my, my finger on how good this Utah team's going to be. I think they're better than they were last year. And, and that was a they, close game with BYU last year. It was down to the wire. BYU close, and it shouldn't have been. From a talent perspective, that's a game that BYU did not play well, and, and Utah played above what, they, you know, what their, their level was for the rest of the season. That, that's the risk anytime you're playing in a, in a state game, I, an in-state game. You put those two teams together. So this is a team that BYU should be able to, to handle. Um, but if they come out and they're flat, and they don't shoot the ball well, and they let Utah get believing in themselves, then all of a sudden it's going to be a ball game like last year. This is a team, a Utah team, that I think is a little bit fragile because they know who they've been playing. They, they know that they haven't really been tested. Um, you know, maybe Boise State on the road. If BYU gets out in this game and they just jump on Utah to begin with, um, you, you could see a Utah team that starts to doubt itself a little bit. Um, if, if they're in the ball game for the first, you know, to that first, TV timeout at, at the under 16, then I think it's going to be a ball game because they're going to go, hey, wait a minute, maybe we are pretty good, you know. So, so this is it, it'll it'll be an interesting matchup. I think that the first four minutes of this ball game um, are very very important for BYU, and you know they've got they've got to control they've got to, they've been able to score between Wright and Loveridge, and they're both averaging 16 points a game. Um, it's it's a decent offensive basketball team averaging almost 88 points a game. So, so BYU's going to have to defend. I just don't think that this Utah team has the kind of talent that Iowa State, Wichita State, and UMass have on their rosters. Um, you know, Maybe they have talent, but it's young talent and experienced talent, and BYU should win this game. Blaine Fowler joining BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, you are a dual-threat analyst. We've covered basketball. Now it's time to talk football. You like how I use dual-threat right there? <laughs> Let's do it. I love dual threat. Fantastic. BYU and Washington in the Fight Hunger Bowl. Now, the Huskies have a brand-new coach, Chris Peterson. Elise Woodward, their sideline reporter yesterday, said, really, Washington hasn't even begun to line up BYU on paper. They haven't started looking at them because there's been so much happening around that program. What do you think the mentality is right now, knowing that Washington is dealing with so much of the Huskies going into this B- this football game against BYU on December 27th? Well, there's a lot of distractions. Now, this Washington team is a really talented football team. It'll be similar in talent to Wisconsin and Notre Dame, you know, for BYU. Um, you know, I think I still think that the most talented team BYU played all year was Texas. They just weren't playing as a team. Isn't that funny that? most talented team they played they lost you know they beat and they lost to Washington or to Wisconsin and to uh, to Notre Dame there's a very small margin between those teams I think this Washington team is similar to Wisconsin or Notre Dame in talent they run the football they're really balanced but there's all of these distractions so there, there is one silver lining to all of this that I haven't heard anybody talk about and that is Chris Peterson is in place they introduced him yesterday a great little press conference. He's in his office. He's going to kind of be hanging back. But Chris Peterson just played BYU this year and put a scouting report together for him and has in-depth knowledge. You don't think he's going to bring those scouting reports um, into Washington and to, to Marcus Tuiasosopo and the staff and say – Blaine, he'll be like, hey, guys, here's what didn't work. 
Well, but he can say, <laughs> here, here, we didn't have the horses to compete at Boise State. You have there the you horses go. to compete. Here's, here's, here's what the game plan is. Here's the weaknesses and strengths of this BYU team. At Boise State, we didn't have the horses this year to be able to take advantage of these. But here's an in-depth scouting report. Here's what we know about you know these guys. I'm turning this over to you. You know, coaches don't sign non-competes that they're not going to bring the data they have from the previous place like you do in business. So he's going to bring everything he has on BYU and put it in the hands of the staff. He says he's going to be in the background, but I think he's going to provide information, almost be like a consultant to them getting ready for this bowl game. So there is a bit of a silver lining in that he is a very good coach. He's well-known for preparation for bowl games, and even though he's in the background, Washington's going to have some wrinkles to prepare for BYU that they wouldn't otherwise have had if Chris Peterson wasn't there. So the disruptions all aside, there is one little tiny advantage that may offset that a little bit. Which team needs this win more, Washington or BYU? BYU needs it more. BYU is going to be expected to win because of the, the disruption. If Washington loses... The Huskies are going to say, oh, that's all fine and dandy. We had disruptions. Our coach was gone. We got great talent. Now we got Coach Pete. Everything is great. Now we're going to get to the next level, and we're just moving forward. But it won't even be a blip on their radar if they lose. If BYU, I think BYU needs this more to kind of cap off a season. They need another quality win this season, especially because in the month of November they had two losses against quality opponents. It will set the stage for BYU going into next season if they can beat a very good Washington team. Um, if, if they lose to that, then people are going to be saying in the offseason, well, you know what, they did about what we thought they were going to do this year. They won the games they were, they were kind of supposed to win. They had one surprise, they, they beat Texas, but they had one surprise, they lost to Virginia. Everything else was about, you know, to schedule. The loss to Utah is unexplainable. They're a better team than Utah this year. But I think they need this win to launch them into the offseason and to have them ranked going into next season with a junior quarterback coming back because if they want to make some noise on the national scene, you have to kind of start off ranked high to get where you want to get. And I, as I look at that schedule next season, I, I see BYU win in 10 games. That's what I think the, that they should win next year with that schedule. And there's a chance they win 11 or 12, depending on how good Boise State is next year, and then depending how, you know, how they fare at Texas. There's no reason this team can't win 10 games in a special season win 12 with who they have coming back. And if they want to be ranked in that top five, you know, top ten, preseason makes a big, you know, makes a, has a big impact on that. And a win at Washington, I think, launches them into next season. You can catch Blaine Fowler every Monday on True Blue and on Countdown to Kickoff and throughout the men's basketball season as well. Blaine, we appreciate the time. All right, guys. Always good to talk to you. Have a good Tuesday. Is it really zero? I heard Spencer say it's zero. Zero degrees. Yeah. Zero degrees. This but is Fahrenheit nothing, for the international Nothing that audience. a dual threat analyst can't handle, though. Well, I'm going to have to really bundle up today, I guess. Scarf it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Blaine. See you guys. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, which Cougar team deserves the most attention? Women's hoops, women's volleyball, football, or men's basketball. We'll get to some of your social media responses. Also, we're talking to the play-by-play voice of Washington football, Bob Rondo, what he thinks about the mentality of the new coach and the new team. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. 
Taysom Hill and the BYU Cougars will take on the Washington Huskies December 27th at AT&T Park in San Francisco in the Fight Hunger Bowl. A couple of teams with very similar numbers, Jeremy. You talked about the offense, defense, penalties. We'll delve into that a little bit in just a few minutes. But first, we bring in the radio voice of the Washington Huskies, Bob Rondo, joining us live on BYU Sports Nation. And, Bob, we've talked a lot about Washington and the new program, Chris Peterson taking over, a lot of excitement right there. What's Husky Nation's view of the new coach and his new scheme coming into Seattle? I I think over the moon comes to mind. Uh, People are pretty excited about this, Spencer. Uh, This is... uh... I've seen a bunch of coaching changes in my time at Washington, and I cannot recall one that has uh, engendered this kind of response from uh, the complete fan base. Uh, The acceptance of this is is universal. People are really excited uh, about Chris Peterson coming on board to the University of Washington. They they think he reminds them a little bit of uh, Don James. He embodies those kinds of traits and characteristics and, and approaches to the game and uh, and to his profession and uh, he had an introductory press conference uh, yesterday and then a reception for him last night with some of the administration and boosters and so forth and uh, just home run is uh, the word that comes most immediately to mind many of us across BYU Sports Nation might not understand what you mean when you say Don James but I actually had an opportunity to do an interview with him at his home in Palm Desert California before he passed away and and uh, Don is a great man, an incredible football coach that did amazing things at the University of Washington. So for you to compare Chris Peterson to Don James is really saying something. Well, you know, people uh, tend to, to think back, Spencer, to the good times and uh, certainly the, the best of times in Washington football, at least in the modern era, were when Don James was coaching this program. Uh, great stability here. Uh, and obviously uh, a, a whole lot of wins. Uh, this was a, a dominant-type football program in this part of the country uh, back then, and uh, people want to want to think back and recall those good times rather than some of the uh, the bad times that have uh, happened more recently. And, and Don James was the the figurehead and the signature of those times. So I think it's only natural that people would uh, would look for that in, in a new head coach. And, again, just listening to Chris Peterson talk the other day, straightforward guy is, I'm sure you found Don James to be, uh, and, and his approaches to the game are, are much like Don James. Fairly, fairly simple stuff, but uh, but no less uh, large stuff, if you will, in in how he handles uh, the game, his players, and uh, just his life concepts uh, in, in relating them to football. So. Uh, I, I think people are wanting to think that uh, this is the, the second coming of Don James. Obviously, there's, there's a, lot, a lot to be proven uh, for that to, uh, to really take place, but we'll see. Bob Rondo, the radio voice of the Washington Huskies, joins BYU Sports Nation. I assume you were in Provo in the Marriott Center for the NIT with Washington and BYU, is that correct? <laughs> Why'd you want to bring that up? Because <laughs> C.J. Wilcox is a baller, that's why. From Pleasant Grove. Uh, what, what's C.J. been like uh, as a Washington Husky, and what's the expectation for the basketball team this year as well? Well, he's carrying a, a heavy load during this year. Uh, this is a, a team that is uh, struggling a little bit. They're 4-4 they're four and four for the season. C.J. is their, their scoring leader, 20-plus points a game, and, uh, and he is the man 
this season, uh, purely and simply. A lot of new faces on this team, and they're struggling a little bit to, to find their identity. Uh, they have had difficulties on defense, but uh, when it comes to scoring points, C.J. is all reliable. He's playing really well, and I think uh, in coming back for a senior season and, and turning down the chance perhaps to go to the next level, he wanted to showcase uh, the, the totality of his game. He's, he's more than just a shooter and more than just a scorer, doing a really nice job in, in all phases of the game right now, but a, a supporting cast that is not what we're accustomed to here at Washington. It's, uh, it's going to be a difficult year, I think, for this basketball team, really a, a transition kind of year for, uh, for Coach Lorenzo Romar and for C.J. Wilcox. Hmm. Yeah, C.J. played uh, AAU with uh, Tyler Hosby, who's leading scorer. Of, of no, he's pretty good too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> another basketball connection. The uh, the two uh, two standouts from the respective schools, Washington and BYU, played together on the Kings. Jimmer Fredette and Isaiah Thomas. Um, what's the uh, what's the perception of Isaiah Thomas and and the Kings uh, so far as Isaiah has leapfrogged Jimmer into a, a starting role for the past couple seasons? Well, no surprise, I think, that to those of us who have known and admired the way Isaiah Thomas plays the game, he. Uh, he has had a chip on his shoulder for a long, long time. Uh, you're a little guy, and thus you cannot do this, that, and the other thing. And uh, he has made it a personal mission to show, yes, I can do this, that, and the other thing. And he's done that at uh, the high school level. He's done it at the collegiate level. And he's doing it again in the NBA. He is a spectacular talent, and uh, I, I wish him every success. Isaiah Thomas was a, uh, a great Husky, and he's turning into be a, a very, very useful NBA player as well, especially for the the last guy chosen in the draft and uh, proving himself nicely at the next level. We were a little concerned that he might be involved in the trade they announced with Toronto uh, yesterday and and today uh, that involved Rudy Gay, and and fortunately uh, it did not involve Isaiah Thomas, so he's going to stay put in in Sacramento. BYU fans were hoping uh, Jimmer was a part of that. uh, They want him out of Sacramento. Uh, Free Jimmer! There you go. I think there's probably room for both of those guys. They they have a little bit t- different types of games, and uh, obviously the the Kings would agree with that. But uh, really proud of uh, what Isaiah Thomas has done in his NBA career. The radio play-by-play voice of the Washington Huskies, Bob Rondo, joining us. You're a dual-threat guy. You cover all sports, Bob. We just talked to a dual-threat guy on BYU TV, Blaine Fowler. So let's talk football again. Given the distractions that happen whenever you hire a, a new coach, how much of that will factor into Washington being ready to play BYU in the fight hunger bowl? Well, I think we would all like to look at it uh, through kind of rose-colored glasses, if you will, um, and that's no Rose Bowl pun, by the way. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think people want to want to, you know, adopt this circle of wagons mentality and one for us and us for all, and so on and so forth. But uh, uh, to be very frank with you guys, it's a, a really awkward situation right now. There's there's some holdover coaches, uh, some who have gone down and joined Steve Sarkeesian. The staff is uh, patchwork at best. Marcus Tuyasasopo, the uh, the great Husky of uh, years gone by, is going to coach the team in the bowl game, but uh, he, he has zero head coaching experience. And I, I guess for, for context on this thing, I've only had one experience that sort of mirrors this, and that came way back in 1989 when uh, Washington was starting to get good and uh, went down and played in the Freedom Bowl game in Anaheim, California, as it was called back then. 
and played Florida, a Florida team that had just fired Coach Galen Hall and was in a, a lame duck type situation. Really good football team. I remember uh, going out for their walkthrough the day before the ball game and just marveling at the uh, the eye test, if you will. Great looking football team that had, among others, uh, some guy named Emmett Smith. You might remember him. And, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, Washington was an underdog in that game and just destroyed Florida. The the Gators were a completely rudderless ship. Emmett Smith actually tapped himself out of that ball game uh, in the first half, wanted no part of it, and Washington, uh, in the end, could have named its score. And, uh, I, you know, that, as I say, is the only time I've, I've been involved in a situation similar to what we have here. Now, I'd like to think Washington will be less a rudderless ship than Florida was that year, but it's hard, and uh, the, the players, by nature, unfortunately, get caught up in it. Uh, you know, they are a team essentially uh, without a coach, if you will, and, and that's going to be difficult. Uh, game planning and so forth and the actual game day strategy, and I'm, I'm sure that BYU is looking at that and kind of licking their chops that uh, this will be somewhat of a wounded Washington football team that goes into that game on the 27th. We appreciate the stark insight, the play-by-play voice of the Washington Huskies, Bob Rondo, joining BYU Sports Nation. Bob, lastly, I want to ask you this. At 8-4, and four, does the fan base in Washington and do you as the radio play-by-play voice view this as a successful season? I absolutely do. I, I think there is some conjecture uh, within the fan base. Again, they, they all want to want to see Don James-type numbers, and uh, that, that's just not very realistic now. I've, I've just been looking for progress year to year from this team, and, and I think it was significant this year. Uh, this was a good football team, uh, a team that probably had three bad quarters the entire year that proved to be uh, really costly in those games, but a team that was uh, resolutely competitive throughout the season, uh, finally got over the seven-win hump, if you will, that they had had for the previous three years with the eighth win knocking off Washington State in the Apple Cup. This is the best team that Washington has had, dare I say, in probably a decade. Wow. And uh, I, I believe that. I, I'm really proud of what these guys uh, were able to do. Uh, they played hard. I think they played very much to their potential. Really like this football team this year, and uh, and I would answer very much in the affirmative that uh, this is a team that showed a lot of progress. Well, it should be a fun matchup, a pretty even matchup uh, on paper between Washington and BYU coming up in the Fight Hunger Bowl. Bob Rondo, we appreciate the time. My pleasure, guys. Nice to be with you. Thanks, Bob. All right, Sports Nation, time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Cougars in the association. Brandon Davies and Jimmer Fredette continue to bring it. Five points, three boards in 13 minutes for Brandon Davies off the bench and the 76ers lost to the Clippers. Jimmer Fredette at least played. Played 10 minutes, two points, two boards, and a Kings victory over the Mavericks. It's something. Women's basketball. The Cougars undefeated at 8-0 so far this season. They travel north to Ogden, Utah to play Weber State tonight, trying to go 9-0, getting the top 25. Live on BYU Radio 9 Eastern. Women's volleyball. BYU's headed to the Sweet 16 against USC in Los Angeles this Friday at 8 Eastern. Spencer wants to go but won't be there. Watch it live on Watch ESPN. How do you know I won't be there, Jerem? What if I decide to just get on a plane Friday afternoon? Prove it, man. Maybe I will. Maybe <laughs> I will. And uh, how about some more love for the women's volleyball team? Head coach Sean Olmstead doing what he did without a first-team All-American, if, the, if that's what it is. Not, not third-team, not honorable mention. An All-American in Jen Hampson redshirting this year. Good luck against sixth-rank USC. Now, a rise and shout today. Who, who do you think? Who, who deserves it, Jerem? Who deserves the rise and shout today? 
I'm gonna go. Let's go. Uh, let's go. The women's basketball. Yeah, team. let's undefeated, do it. playing at Weber State tonight. They can keep it going. Should get that win. I think Eight, they're. I, I love winning. Winning. I think they're going to be 11 and 0 going into conference play, which would be a first, a program first. Great, great insight today, uh, by the way, from Bob Rondo, the Washington play-by-play. Yeah, I, th- wow. I thought it was amazing when he said, "Look, we want to look at through rose-colored glasses, but this is a huge, this situation awkward. huge distraction. It's really awkward." He called that staff patchwork at best. Rudderless ship, wounded Washington. I mean, all of these <laughs> phrases get wow. So on paper, it's pretty even in terms of the type of offenses that both teams have. The defenses are right next to each other. Uh, same amount of penalties and penalties allowed almost per game. Same record. Yet, Washington is reeling. Can BYU pounce on the wounded Washington? Do it. Let's hope that they can because... In 10 years, I'm not going to remember, oh man, Washington was in shambles. That's with the true. Game. Just go win the game. You remember a fifth straight bowl victory, though. Yeah, tell me in uh, in ninety the 92 Aloha Bowl what Kansas coaching situation was in their play. Nobody knows. Just go and win that game. Which BYU team deserves the most attention right now? We get to some of your social media responses on Facebook and on Twitter. This is coming from at Dan Haslam. BYU women's basketball. These girls are good. We agree. Zach Brady, 7. At BYU Sports Nation, women's volleyball, the only team that can beat a good opponent on the road. Yikes. <laughs> uh, uh, Got to make it personal. At H. Collier, 88. Women's volleyball because they're exceeding expectations this year by reaching the Sweet 16 for the second year in a row. This is from at Lauren Frankham. They beat ranked Hawaii women's volleyball in Hawaii to advance to the Sweet 16 without Jen Hampson, the only team currently fighting for a championship. That's a great point. Basketball still fighting for a championship? Well, fall sports. Fall At, sports. Oh, I didn't see that in there. At Young Tim 32 definitely men's hoops. These guys are going to be special in March. I'm calling it. We're going to win our first conference tourney with Rose. Now that, okay, let's say BYU uh, does not win the regular season conference title. Okay. And then wins the tournament championship. I'm going to call all of those, these non-conference losses, they built up to that moment. Because that's sort of the payoff. You hope to get a good seed, right? Having a great regular season is better than having a great tournament. But BYU just hasn't won a conference tournament in men's hoops in a long, long time. That would would, uh, put it over the edge for me of, okay, exceeded expectations and did something special. Granted, I want to win in the NCAA tournament more than I want to win in anything else. Would that make it a great season if they won the conference tournament? Depends what they do in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. I no single no single game defines the season, right? Yet, if BYU can get into the NCAA tournament and win regardless of what seed they are, that's a that's a really good season. That's that's what they want to do. They want to get back to the tournament and not just get back to the big dance. They want to win. And I don't want to play Iona in Dayton. I want to play as a as an eight seed, as a six seed or something. Six seed might be a stretch. Be ready to have to run the table to get a six. What a great show today. Great insight again from Bob Rondo, play-by-play voice of Washington, and from our own Blaine Fowler, dual threat sports analyst talking BYU basketball and football. Thanks to our guests, Blaine Fowler, Bob Rondo, everyone on our crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, station manager Don Chaline, production assistants Alan Miller, Spencer King, and our engineer Aaron Evans. Squirrel! <laughs> Very nice. What, what, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, we're closing the show. BYU Sports Nation's Facebook page has show links and much more. You can also listen to episodes of the show on demand at byuradio.org. Catch the rebroadcast 7 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Channel 143 and byuradio.org. For Jerem, 
I'm Spencer, and you have just listened to a Tuesday edition of BYU Sports Nation. It's zero degrees. Class dismissed.